everyone, and welcome to episode 75 of the Rich Cheese Radio Podcast, your place for horological hot takes, taboo topics, and often unpopular watch opinions. My name is Schmidt, and as always, I'm joined by my good buddy. You guys know him. You love him. Mr. Bro Dinky. Bro, what is going on? Coming Yo, up brother. a big week. Yes, yes, big week. Made made my big career transition. Um, <laughs> not even career say, transition. You were, you were launching them hard and oh, fast. Yeah. I... Uh, you know, I, I've had a lot going on. I had to really, you know, I was, I was switching jobs. I was doing some weird hours. I was actually kind of helping out of both places. And in the meantime, you know, waking up at three something in the morning, checking Ouch. things out and uh, throwing up some fire when I could. <laughs> so it was it was definitely an eventful week. It's always one of the better weeks as far as, you know, laughs go and being able to kind of make some fun of our very serious hobbies. So time, <laughs> but yeah. you know, I was a little stretched then admittedly. Um, but now I'm, uh, I'm in full swing at the new job. So my hours are steadily decreasing and uh, yeah. you know, I finally had some time to sit down and sort of like digest watches and wonders a little bit. Cause I feel like as long as it's still going on, there's new stuff coming out and your head kind of spins a little bit. Yeah. It gets a little tough, and uh, I don't know if you caught it. I uh, I got I got a got a wee bit little blurb from uh, from GQ the other day. Um, I did see that. Yeah, yeah. congratulations about thank that. You, That's amazing. You. Yeah, I, uh, I had expressed um, being impressed with the the Black Bay Fifty Four, and they kind of just hit me up for like a hey, you want to just say something real quick about? it? I was like, sure, sure, sure. So, thanks to them. Um, how are things by you there? Big fella. Good man. Good. Uh just finishing up some more travel. Got some more stuff coming up this week. Um, doing some more home renovation things and, and everything like that. So, you know, it's been uh it's been busy but good, productive. Um, everything getting ready for the uh for the Texas summer. So we're gonna be barbecuing and and blasting all the music we can, enjoying ourselves. So it's gonna be fun. Yeah, I feel that we've been kind of clearing out the yard a bunch. We like knocked down a like a shed that had some it was like a permanent shed. It had like electricity and stuff. So we took that oh, yeah, out. Yeah. We're going to take out some other stuff, uh, probably rip up like this little semblance of a deck we have, like really go full, full on backyard barbecue mode, just like you said. So I got, I got some string lights going to going to get yeah. the mosquito about, guy in. It's all about the string lights, man. Once you hang the string lights, that's when that's when it feels like summer. Right. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, when. uh Back in the day when uh, Kelly used to do live streams, I used to smoke cigars in the backyard <laughs> and stream, <laughs> stream watches. Yes. Those yes. were the days. Those were the days. I miss you, Kelly. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, funny story about that. I cannot tell you. I actually had to text her the other day and be like, just to let you know, as your official receptionist, uh, a lot of people miss you and want want to uh know how you're doing because everyone has hit me up about this and i'm like i didn't know i was the man to to speak on behalf but just let me know she's doing you good. know just you taking know. a little break ski that's all hey sometimes you gotta hit the reset button i agree sure. i agree but you know i feel like if i were to do that there would be panic and people would be like what the hell do you think you're doing and i'd be like oh, i'm just just, just relax who's gonna make bit. our thoughts for us who's yeah. gonna tell us what to believe <laughs> So I, the main I, king. I will not do that. I will not do that. And uh, yeah, speaking speaking of, um, 
I mean, right on cue, April 1st, we get the the cringe amount of oh god fake watch news and or releases as yes, every year. Yes, comes. yes, yes. And it's always funny to see who's actually gonna participate. Yeah, and also like how ridiculously unbelievable some of this stuff is. <laughs> like Patek Philippe getting uh, acquired by like, you know, some random jerk brand. I don't know, but I'm like, eh, okay, that's funny. Ha ha ha. It's not, but <laughs> it's it. You know, it's coming. Is the worst part. You know, it's coming, and you get a bunch yeah. of crap. Well, you know, you know, you know. Watches. The thing, the thing is, for me, every single year is I forget, and then I like immediately just start like getting blasted with this stuff, and I'm like, wait, what? And then I have to remember, oh my god, it's April Fool's Day. The the only remotely funny one I saw was Studio Underdog did a, a pizza themed watch. Okay, but I was like low key <laughs> half believing it. Yeah, I was low key half believing that I was gonna actually happen. Because I could totally see that. And they, I could also see like, like, all right, you know, guys, we got enough positive feedback that this, you know, this watch was released on April 1st. Uh, we're actually going to make it six months later. Well, that never, <laughs> like, I could see that happening. Everything they do is food anyway. Exactly. Exactly. Like, you know, he's got enough parts. Now you got to have the sum of the parts, the pizza yeah. pie watch. Everybody yeah. likes pizza. I got to, I got duped for a hot second from Timex when they, when they had like the little fruit. Um, I don't know if you saw that they had watches that were shaped like fruit. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, oh, cool. Maybe this is kind of like a riff off Studio Underdog. And and, and I didn't believe like that their rendering was like the actual watch. But at, for a second there, I was like, OK, maybe this is hiding the watch behind it. That's actually going to be the release. You know, like maybe it's just a little bit of like a like a disguise until they launch it tomorrow. And then I realized it was April Fool's. And that's that was the one that got me because I forgot that it was April 1st. And I saw it and I'm like, oh, cool. They're teasing a new food kind of like watch. Very similar to Studio Underdog. And then I was like, wait, no, it's April 1st. Now I feel dumb. And how about, you know, Rolex making an Oyster Perpetual? It looks like you emptied the three hole puncher. <laughs> I saw somebody that, that memed him was like, they took a bunch of fruity pebbles from the cereal and like sprinkled it on a turquoise OB and it actually looks just like it. And I was like, oh boy. Wait, that's a real watch? Yeah. I'm just kidding. It, <laughs> it totally, it totally is a real watch. And uh it should feel like it's an April Fool's joke. Uh, and you know what's funny is I I literally thought of a million different scenarios as to how to go about that one. I I I had to do it, but like I thought of all of them. I thought of Bubble Blaster. I thought of, you know, I like I the, like I had mentioned in the one I actually posted. I'm like, when you go to play mini golf, you have that water hole, and there's always a ton of balls in the water yeah, at the water yeah, hole. Yeah. And I'm like, this is exactly what this looks like. It, it's <laughs> just, it's just a silly, it's a silly watch. But again, this is, this is kind of leading us into our point, what we're obviously going to talk about, which is the recap of of watches and wonders. Yeah, but. You know, for me, this is so hilarious because this is exactly what you and I talked about a couple episodes back about what we thought Rolex was going to do and how you and I correctly guessed that they were going to start diving into the more fun side of their brand, the more satirical side of their brand, something that we haven't seen Rolex do for a, a long, long, long time, and that their sister company, Tudor, was going to play more of the conservative role which I think we saw pretty well echoed in this year's Watches and Wonders. We got some cool stuff from Tudor, 
but nothing that really changed the game, in my opinion, with the exception of maybe the 54. But Rolex is where things really got weird and spicy. Yeah, I, I got to say, I a lot of people are giving them a lot of kudos for being playful and such, and and that's fine. Like, Listen, I think the, the colored Oyster Perpetuals were playful. Yeah, I think it's getting a little silly at this point. I also agree. There, there's listen. They did some stuff I liked, some of which very much. This other stuff, I just don't know what to do with it. It's, and I th- it's a troll, a it's little a bit straight because, up troll because people, you know, you think about everybody always says, "Oh, we don't make watches for watch enthusiasts." Okay, well now I'm a random person on the street looking at a watch with gumballs on it, or you know, a colorful jigsaw puzzle. What are you thinking if you say, I would say this is fake if I'm a rando, right? I'm like, they don't yep. make watches like this. This is clown stuff. Like, what is this? And, and again, to me, it just underscores the idea that no matter what Rolex produces, it could be a steaming Mr. Hanky Poo on the dial and people will go out and buy it. Like emojis, dog? Really? It emojis? literally could be anything, anything at all. It doesn't matter. And people are going to line up at the 80s. And they're going to fight each other to clamor and get these pieces. It, it, it's just that to me, that's what it represents. Like emojis they, is they like. Test, they tested this with the L, with the LHD. Yeah. They're like, okay, can we make a watch that is truly going to be left-handed? Is it going to be so out of the top for us? Yes, absolutely. Let's go ahead and do it see what the market does. And everyone went nuts over it. And every single person that I talked to at an AD or that my friends in the industry have talked to me, they're like, everyone loves this stupid watch. And I'm like, you know, that is the ultimate joke. And then this comes out. And then the puzzle piece emoji day-date comes out. And I'm like, okay, now we've just crossed the threshold into just we are now acting out of spite. We know we can get away with it, so why not just do it? Lean into the troll, you know? Yeah, and I'll, I'll, we'll, we'll save the rest for a little later in this episode because I know people look forward to to the entirety of the Rolex recap, but um, there's a lot. There's a lot to unpack, as people say, in uh, in this year's Watches and Wonders. Um, it's funny that you and I came to the kind of the same conclusion about a lot of the high horology stuff. I I don't know where to place it anymore, man. I I mean, I guess it's cool to see people do that stuff. It's kind of just noise for me now, where I'm looking at it, yeah. I'm like, oh. That's cool. With the exception, and it's funny because you said the same thing, the exception being Frederic Constant making a <laughs> tourbillon. I mean, that's impressive, right? Given who they are, like we've already spoke about some of their other watches where they do things that are mechanically yeah. impressive. Now they're giving you another mechanically impressive feat, and it comes in at 28 grand, 27 grand. Yeah, 27.5, but like, yeah, basically 28. That's crazy. They They somehow pulled this off, and apparently they have some serious chops going on over there yeah i mean this is a manufacturer caliber it's in-house for them obviously it's based off something else that they've utilized before it's a solid 18 karat rose gold case 39 millimeters and it's twenty eight thousand dollar tourbillon why would i go out and buy a tag tourbillon carrera when i could buy this and it's arguably much better looking and probably a better movement but yeah, that's just impressive. But for the most part, when I see things like tourbillons, I'm like, all right, like I know it exists. That's good. But I, <laughs> I'm for, aware for of it. almost all of us. It's it's more or less irrelevant, right? Yeah, yeah. So Absolutely. It, 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 
you know, I know it's I know it's that kind of show and that's what they do there and that's fine. But it, it's hard to get jazzed up about stuff like that. Yeah. You know, um, and it's weird. I even it's just speaking on the show and kind of taking inventory about things we talk about a lot and, and discussions that you and I have. And honestly, discussions I've been having with other people lately. And I think sort of the um, enthusiasm that's sort of sprouted about the, the, the resin Seikos now is is a, a testament to this is that I, I think people are a little bit over expensive watches. Yeah. I don't know what it is. I find, and I'm not talking about newer collectors. I'm talking about people who I've known for a long time who are now just like, yeah, I kind of just collect fun stuff. Now I kind of just buy like a, a little fun one here or there. You know, I'm not really chasing much. I'm not really because going for it. I just think overall it's the idea that the market is changing a little bit. You know, prices are getting, you know, coming down back to more realistic, um, you know, prices from from his from histories before. And we're starting to see things that are just kind of uninteresting, I think. I mean, when was the last time that you saw something that was truly, truly revolutionary and truly, my, you know, you know, brand breaking, groundbreaking? Yeah, I don't even know about that, but I, I think the last watch that I saw and had to have was 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 the Grand Seiko I have, and that came out years ago. Yeah, and I that's just it. like I I really don't know. I don't I don't know the the last time I saw a watch and I was like, oh, if I don't get my hands on that, like <laughs> the world is gonna come to an end, you know. So I, and maybe it's just being jaded. Maybe it's just being in it too long and and either really knowing your tastes or just kind of getting tired of same old, same old. I'm really not sure, but I I've been having these conversations with everybody. It seems like lately where they're just like, yeah, I'm just looking for fun stuff. I'm just, you know, yeah. Or I'm just looking for some like unique old stuff where it's not so run of the mill or it's something obscure or it was made in a small quantity or something, or it has a unique dial or a, a stamp or something, something cool. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so it's just it's a weird observation. I I'm not sure if it's if it really holds that much water right now, but I'm I'm keeping it uh, open to possibility. Um, I guess let, I don't I really don't know what to do. I guess we're just gonna jump around at some of the highlights, lowlights, whatever you call it. Um, yeah. I think you and I are both a little bit um saddened that we did not get more from Oris. I think we both yeah. have enjoyed sort of their trajectory lately. And I think we can agree that they've been on an upswing. I mean, they've put out some impressive stuff. They have a great in-house caliber now. We were, I think, expecting more than just getting a watch with carbon on it, which I think, I think it's a weird choice given you know the silly nature of our hobby. With Kermit already being a thing, I mean, I guess if that's what you really wanted to make, but like, there's other Muppets, right? Animal could have got some love. Not on a green watch per se, <laughs> but you didn't have to make it green. I mean, I I don't even mind the color that much. I think it kind of looks decent. No, I think I think the color's cool. Yeah. I really do think the color's cool. I think it's such a vibrant green, and I like that. You know, but I like I, tennis balls. They're fun. But yeah, exactly. I mean, it, look, it's cool, and 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 the fact that you know the Kermit's only on one day out of the entire month is kind of cool because at the at the end of the time, it's just going to be a regular date, but. For me, you know, and speaking with a lot of people that I know in the industry, this is an odd choice because from a lot of people that I know, the PPX just sits. It is not an easy watch for Oris to sell, and it's, it's not it's an a easy little watch. expensive. It's a very expensive watch, and it's titanium, 
and it's a manufactured caliber so it's not a common timepiece for most retailers to actually sell so it was very kind of interesting that i heard so much of this feedback and here's a new version that's already going to be a more polarizing color with a more polarizing attachment to it in the character of kermit right um that's obviously going to be something that's going to be very for a very specific type of person and the idea that it's maybe too whimsical right because we had the salmon dial we had that kind of slatish gray blue dial those are fine firefighter uh rendition right well i'm uh yeah i guess that that's also a a, a pro pilot right which is kind of think... cool i mean it was sort of unique but it was cool look i i get it but this is also the big problem with having mid-year releases is when it comes to the actual time to really really shine this is all we get and arguably like we had the release of the you know the big crown caliber 47 uh, 473 that came out a little earlier that was kind of at the beginning of the year with that kind of like uh, like almost light blue dial with the pointer date we had uh i guess a pro pilot altimeter that came out but Again, you know, for me, it's like these are things that weren't even really talked about. And if they were launched at Watches and Wonders, I didn't even really know about yeah. them because the Kermit's kind of the, the one that stole the show. But that's kind of all we got. You know, and I know I know the PPX was technically a new line of sorts for them, but I think that's more what I'm looking for and looking forward to from them is seeing what, what they're going to do with their catalog next. I mean, I know they offer a decent amount and they do a lot of renditions of the watches they currently have, but mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think they're positioned well to be a, the type of brand to put out sort of like the new heat, like that can really push boundaries, right? Go with their, uh, their mantra, go your own way. Yeah. And just put out some really original pieces. I think they're in a great position to do that. They're not really, you know, beholden to anybody they don't have to play by anybody else's rules and that's that's what i want to see and and we know that they're the people who are with them are more than capable of that right they have a great team i think and i think they'll probably do it throughout the year maybe this is just not when they wanted to do it maybe you were you're gonna get overshadowed i don't know right there's probably a plan yeah for sure but it's just uh you know i wish we could get just a little something extra yeah i mean again i i echo the same sentiment you know, I think I think Oris is also in that building phase where they're trying to scale, but they also need yes. to scale backwards too, right? It needs to get to that point where you said, okay, where this is the new direction for Oris, we're going to do in-house movements, we're going to do Calibre series stuff, all of these things. That's great, fine. But that means you got to start getting rid of everything else. Everything yeah. else that's not in line with what you have currently, you need to start scaling it out. Yeah, that's all right. Right, make you know, make some. It'll be collectors' items. That's fine. Yeah, but it just. I mean, if you're going to go Diver sixty five, you discontinue all of the ETA versions and you only introduce new versions with the Calibre movement or the Calibre four hundred. Similar series, to right? kind of how how Tudor's going now. Yeah, exactly. But that has to be a a conscientious choice. Like you need to go and do that, and you need to start conditioning your retailers and and your buyers that this is your direction. Because right now you're kind of in this weird like. Oh, you can get uh, a Diver 65 for 2500 bucks, or you can get one for, you know, almost $4,000 for a, uh, uh, you know, Caliber 400 version. 
So what's the choice here? Do we offer both? Do we scale that out? Do we remove it? You got to figure that out and you got to move forward. Because I mean, looking just the Diver 65 catalog, like there's literally, I don't know, 500 references. I mean, there, there's just so many. You know, and maybe that's a little bit of an exaggeration, but there is a lot of references here. Yeah. And there's been a lot of references over the time, you know? So it'll be interesting to see what they what they do. Yeah. Um a brand that we have been asking for did a little something, right? We did get a 39 millimeter Carrera chronograph, which is great. Finally. Finally. I think that's welcome. I think the reception was really good, actually. I think people yeah. were sort of, yeah. everybody said overdue. Awesome. So that's cool. Um, I think that's sort of unanimous in that front. But they also did an interesting move that we've been speaking about and gone down to a 36 millimeter watch. Yeah. Which is also a Carrera, but it's it's just the time and date version um they sort of use the brightling playbook with the chronomat here we've yeah. got a mint green dial we got a blue we have a, a pinkish dial this one in, in this case very pinkish yeah very the brightling very, is not very so pink. much but yeah. this one is very very pink and if you know they want to kick me one that's all right um <laughs> but it's but <laughs> hey tag i'm just gonna throw it out there because bro's gonna be too humble about this hey if you want to donate a watch to real men wear pink we will be happy to auction it away for this year's giveaway because that is Certainly a very, very masculine pink watch. Yeah, and, and I was about to get into that. Is that Somehow this is the hottest of pink, and yet it's it's not super feminine. No. Like, it's it's very wearable either way. Yeah, yeah. But I like the bracelet. The thickness is amazing, 10 millimeters, right? Going to probably wear superb, right? Yep. All the, the case dimensions are really good. Just a pretty cool straight up classy watch i think it'd be i think it's gonna be a big hit for the maybe some of the non-enthusiasts i think people will see these and say yeah it's that's a, pretty it's, cool it's a nice fashion watch and again you know for tag for so many people right now um you know the watch community has known quite a bit about them from from what i understand from a lot of my buddies that are still in the business is tag is just kind of that watch that a lot of people that don't know about watches come in and buy because for them it's a great first uneducated watch purchase you know it's like hey it's a quality watch it's swiss made you know i heard that swiss is kind of the thing to get they come in it looks nice feels good they've never had any experience with a nice quality watch before this so they end up going for it and especially when it's been reasonably priced you know thirty two hundred dollars it's not the least expensive it's not the most expensive so i think you know it makes sense for a lot of people to get and I think in this price point, too, you can afford to do some colors that are a little bit more bold and more fashion-oriented. And if that's your demographic, this makes sense. Yeah, and I think it's been a bit of, I don't want to say an old man brand, but sort of like in that vein of Breitling, like the people who were buying these in, you know, tags and Breitlings in the 90s were like the guys who were on Wall Street, right? Yep. A lot of those guys that I know personally who work on Wall Street had tags and brightlings because that was they were hot and they still own them now. And so that's who the demographic is that has those watches. So to get away from that or to broaden your audience a little bit, they've they've gotten a little more fun. And I think this is maybe a little more of I don't want to say the right way to go about it, but it it works. Yeah. 
Yeah, for right. sure. I like it. And again, 36 millimeters, it could be worn by men, it could be worn by ladies. It doesn't matter. It's going to be it's going to be a great watch for anybody. And uh certainly think it's going to be a very cool piece to get in the collection, especially given the price point, you know. Yep. But I think I think really the big standout is and and arguably this makes the most sense is you know, finally we got what we asked for, which is that new 39 millimeter what they call the glass box uh yep. Carrera. I think that the, the crystal, I believe, right? Yeah, yeah. It yeah. has to do with the Superdome Sapphire Crystal. Um, it kind of mimics the original kind of boxy acrylic crystal from the uh, original Hoyers in the 60s. And it's just, it's a, arguably a very good-looking watch. Yes. It's modern enough where you can tell that it's not a direct heritage reissue, but it still feels vintage enough that, it's going to have some of those kind of des- those classic design cues and at 39 millimeters in diameter, I think this is going to be a, a great sweet spot for a lot of people. You get kind of that all dial aesthetic, that rally strap, things that are very quintessential tag uh, and quintessential Carrera. I think it's very cool. My favorite of the two is, is the, uh, the black Panda. So the black dial with the silver okay. sub dials and the Panda, but they do have a nice blue dial configuration. It's cool. The only thing that kind of plays with me that's a little weird is, you know, technically there's three subdials. Yes, but they only highlight really two prominently. I've seen so, people, I've seen brands do that before, which yeah, is, it's it is a little odd. strange. It, it's, it's a little off putting. Yeah, visually. it's kind of like a bi compacts in like feeling, but it's technically a tri compacts in design uh, or in function, I should say. So, um, both colors I think are great. Uh, they retail for sixty four fifty US. Uh, in that 39 millimeter case, there's also a 42, but we're not going to talk about that because they've been doing that size for a while. But I think these uh, these two 39s are 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 pretty hot. The biggest thing is that's going to be a challenge is that 6450 price point. Yeah, true, true. There, it's, I mean, that is that's uh, that's Hesselite Moonwatch territory right there. Yeah, and you know that seems to be a another theme sort of across the board is there. are MSRP of or RRP of watches are getting just out of control a little bit. I mean, yeah. Another watch we were asking for and and didn't end up getting is the new IWC Ingenieur. <laughs> and this thing is $14,600. Yeah. What? <laughs> oh man, I it looks good. I like the green it I really like the the pattern on the dial. Yeah, the 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 aqua the aqua green is probably the coolest looking one. I don't know if it's quite blue or quite green, but it's a very cool color either way. Um, but I clean you know watch it looks cool, but it's just that's that's out of control. And like you said, it's it's not much more technologically advanced, which is sort of the 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 whole point. The whole, yeah, the like the mantra so, behind this so, watch. So this is my shtick, and, and obviously you and I were talking offline about this, but I want to make sure that we hammer this home. I think IWC knew that the engineer had to come back, specifically in this Genta-esque design, uh, because so many people really love it. And and obviously right now, we're kind of starting to see the tail end of it, but it's the integrated bracelet craze that so many brands made famous over the years, especially out of the late 70s, early 80s. And obviously IWC, with their SL line, the Ingenieur SL was certainly part of that, you know, historically. So it made sense to to kind of revisit this design, but modernize it for the new generation. My biggest problem with this is 
IWC was a trailblazer in technology by creating the first anti-magnetic watch in 1955 with the original launch of the Ingenieur. 68 years, almost 70 years later, we have a new version come out. And it has the same exact anti-magnetic protection as the model from 1955. How can that be real? How can almost seven decades of technological development, engineering, craftsmanship, and watchmaking happen to a brand? And yet at the end of the day, all we can all we can release is a souped up, dressed up version of what it was 70 years ago. That doesn't make any sense to me. And that is the biggest problem. And I was, and I told you this on the podcast, when we talked about the, the IWC. My biggest disappointment was going to be if it's just a costumed up version. Why relaunch a watch and market it as anti-magnetic if it's not even close to being any more anti-magnetic than it was in 1955? Because it's the same hundred rate, the same hundred uh, uh, protection. I mean, you guys are all familiar with the Milgauss. Milgauss, no date, no exhibition case back. This version of the IWC does ha does not have an exhibition case back, but it does have a date, which means that the magnetic resistance rating on this watch is around 800 Gauss. It's less than a Milgauss. It's Jeez. less than the industry standard. Okay? That's embarrassing. It's embarrassing. Well, I think it, it's sort of speaks to where IWC has been as a brand, right? I mean, they've spent a lot of time making pilots watches exclusively. They've sort of let models like this models, like the aqua timer that are it's cool watches just. Yeah. So sad, which sucks because those are cool watches. <laughs> and again, again, purely based on looks, the titanium version and then aqua green version are arguably really freaking yeah, cool. Fuego. Like they're amazing, Fuego. but I expected more. I expected more. I love the design. I love the, the historical tie. It makes sense for IWC, but if it really makes sense and it was part of your design's ethos from all these years ago, why not up the ante? Why not bring something to market that is truly innovative in terms of technology? Don't just sit here and say, well, it's using a soft iron cage and it has a date. Well, now I know it's even less resistant than it was. That's just despicable to me. It's really sad. And I want to love this watch so much because I do really like it. Yeah. Yeah, I got to agree with you. <sighs> um, I will hit I'll hit Grand Seiko just because everybody expects me to. And I'll just get that one over <laughs> real quick. I mean, the only the only one that really, really got me was uh, obviously I'm a big Sean Bun fan and releasing it in pink gold only reinforces it and i just i love it it's expensive as hell i'm never gonna get it but i think it's also super limited but it it looks really good and i yeah. I, I would be all over that um i didn't necessarily they put out an interesting engraved watch it's really not for me i appreciate the craftsmanship yeah. that goes into it it kind of looks like when you crumple up a tin foil into a ball and then yep. undo yep. it yeah, <laughs> but um, yeah, it's kind of it's kind of like a white birch and a uh, and a, a snowflake had a baby in the case, yeah, right? It's, like it's, it's it's interesting. It's it's novel, and I guess if that's what you're going for, fine and cool. But it it doesn't really interest me in the in the you know what it reminds department. me of. You know what it reminds me of, like about five or six years ago when everyone was getting crazy on like the gun engravings on the watch yeah, cases. Yeah, okay, I, like I, that's I kind of exactly what that reminds me about. of. 
But it's gonna it's gonna date itself so quickly. And like how do you refinish it? <laughs> do you like add metal and then like re scallop it away? Like I, I I don't get it. So for me it's just kind of an interesting an interesting thing and, and I, I can I can appreciate it from an artistic standpoint. I understand why it certainly is coming in with the connection of, of nature and everything like that. But at the end of the day, it's like it's just not practical. It's not practical at all. Yeah. And they put out another diver that, you know, looks okay, but it's still too big and still not what I'm asking for. And I know. And I wanted to love that diver so much. Yeah, I do too. It's, but it's not, I, it's I did, I did, watch, but... I did notice it tightened up the, the accuracy tolerances. Yeah. Finally. Did you see that? <laughs> Plus or minus uh, 0.5 seconds a day. I'm like, Oh, right off the heels of Omega spirate technology. Yeah. Yeah. They're finally, uh, going below the one plus minus one. So anyway, that's all I really have to say about them. I really just like the pink gold Sean bun, but what, what what are your thoughts though, real quick on the tentagraph? I mean, it's not, it's not really, it's not something I'm interested in. It's yeah. cool. I said, it's just, I'm, I'm not, I, 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 I'm I can not say this, like you know, I I'm with you on that. I don't, I, I still think it needs further refinement. Yes. I would, in that's terms a, of that's grand Seiko evolution. But I think it's a step in the right direction. And certainly, in my opinion, it's the first nice-looking Grand Seiko chronograph that's ever existed, yeah, in, well, my, in my opinion. They did release another one that just looks like the old one. I yeah, just I, have to close I, the window. I just, <laughs> I just was like, I'm not going to off myself with this one. But, yeah, I'm I'm with you. I'm with you, but... Uh, the tentograph, in my opinion, is the first one that really looks. It has potential. Decent, yeah. It, it, it again, case proportions still out of whack. You know, can we slim it down? Certainly, but Dolphin is phenomenal. The hand style is really, really nice. I like the fact that this is a high beat movement, not a spring drive. Yep. I think a Grand Seiko really the next evolution for them. It's odd, odd as it is to say, for me, I think the next evolution for Grand Seiko is moving away from spring drive because I think that ultimately that will always hold them back because they can have amazing technology, but at the end of the day, people will always still think it's cords. I think you and, just leave it for maybe you leave it for like one line or two lines or something like that. But, but that's my point, but it can't, it can't be your main focus as a brand anymore. You know, that made sense when you were a value proposition brand yeah. and you had this hybrid, you know, super complicated technology that nobody could replicate, blah, 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 blah. That makes sense. But now that people know your name, be, you're you're more prevalent than you ever have been, especially in the U.S. Uh, with retailers and, and, and being covered by blogs and all these things. I think in order to really start showing up the Swiss and besting them at their own game, you're going to have to start focusing on high quality mechanical movements and i think and i think that's you've, a change. you've seen you've seen recently they've they have been focusing on high beats a yep. lot more yep, yep. I, I don't know if that's going if they're consciously doing it but you i, I think they i think that. they have to i mean why would they do the tentograph in in a high beat yeah that's a good question i mean that's a direct competitor to an el primero yep. you know to to something like an omega i mean you know to something like a rolex i mean these are and especially in the price point you're looking at that I think you have to really bring mechanical to the table because that's what collectors are ultimately looking for. Spring drive is great, but how many guys are really accuracy bros out there? Yeah. You know, like 
Like when you when you have your Grand Seiko, do you wake up every day, wind it up, and set it to the second? No, I don't. Yeah, exactly. You just like the way that the hand glides around the dial when you sure wear do. it, right? Like that's sure kind of that's kind of the shtick. So I think you know, in common sense, it makes sense to move away from that design and really focus on something truly mechanical. And I think that that's where they're headed. Uh, here's one that you and I are split on. Um, I. I don't know. I happen to really like these Zenith pilots. I know you're not that into it. Just something about them. They're just they're just neat to me. I mean, it's so, it's something that's not an El Primero. It's not a Defy, and we haven't seen a lot of that, I guess, <laughs> in recent history. But uh, they just they seem cool. They seem sort of fun. They have, I I really like the the handset they chose. I like that they made it a, a, an addition with the big date, and uh, you know. Buy compacts, you get some different case materials here. But overall, I think it's a cool release. I mean, I, Zeniths are not cheap watches, but I mean, ceramic watch for 9,600, steel for 7,500. You know, and that's just, I think that's the the um, time and date only. The, the chronographs are going to be more expensive than that. Yeah, 11, 11, 5 and 13, 5, which definitely not cheap. But, um, you but know, I think the they're cool. Yeah, I mean, I, I like them. I think that they're really, really nice. I think the chronograph makes sense in price point. I mean, we're we're talking ceramic at thirteen five. I mean, yeah. what's a dark side of the moon cost these days, yeah. right? Yeah. It's kind of in that same price point. So I get that. That makes total sense to me. I just think overall, for me, the big thing is I, I think there's too many things going on. Like you see the horizontal striping, then you have kind of the funky pilot logoing, then you have these Arabic numerals, and then you have kind of a weird handset that's not really traditional Zenith. It's just a lot to me that it looks like there's a lot of things going on. I did like the subtle nods in the flyback, kind of back to the the Zenith Rainbow. Yeah, which I you thought saw was kind of cool. That one is cool. I I saw that and I was like, okay, I immediately see this. This makes a lot of sense to me. That's certainly something that's part of their history. Um, but I really wish they would just re relaunch the Rainbow, kind of in the yeah. original way. Isn't that how we always we always boil down to that? Like, but I wish I would just relaunch the one that I like that has the same stuff. Yeah, but but again, it's true because like the it was so good, you know. And I think the only change from the original Zenith Rainbow for me was maybe make the hands a little bit longer and broader. But that would be an awesome watch for them to relaunch. And I guess this is kind of like a spiritual version of it, right? Yeah. Um. But I I don't know. It's just this one for me. I can appreciate it from a movement perspective. I can appreciate it. For, for what it is in terms of material craftsmanship, I certainly understand that 100%. Uh, I just don't like this style overall. That's just me. That's okay. But, hey, you know, you don't have to love all, everything. No, you I don't. I certainly don't. No? No. All right. Moving along. I guess... You know, as as strange as this sounds, given sort of where they've been over the past however many years, and we've sort of given them flack for it, I think Tudor kind of made a splash this Watches and Wonders. Um, they did. I, you know, I, I'm not so jazzed about the, the, the Black Bay and Red again with the Metis movement, and they, they gave it a Jubilee option. It's good. It's cool. It's still, I mean, it's, it. I know they refined the the dimensions a little bit, but it's still going to be a a, a a chonky watch. It's, yeah. It it's the reason that they keep having to make 
newer, smaller black bays because it's still a little bit obnoxious. And if, if unless you've ever owned one, you don't really know it. It doesn't hug the wrist at all. It sits on top. Yeah, there's no ergonomics to their watch design. I, you know, and I I have to see this one in person to really make that comparison for sure. Because I know they made a conscientious effort to really change this design. They rounded out the case size better, so there's less slab sidedness. I think it's a better articulation for the bracelet overall. You get the T fit. There's a lot of things that I think that they're subtly modifying here. That's going to be like the next evolution of Tudor's watch case design. Um, but I think overall, you know, 1954 aside, Tudor didn't make the biggest splash for me that that I thought it would. And 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 the only reason why I'm happy about this is because again, we predicted this. We thought the Rolex was really going to take the mantle here and kind of let Tudor do its little thing and, and release a couple things. I think that 1954 for many people stole the show because it was completely unexpected. But I just don't know who this market's for. Who is a 37 millimeter diver for? I mean, uh, I, I think don't it's get it. I think it's for the desk diver. I think it's for somebody who wants to own a dive watch and wants to just wear something comfortable. And that's. That's but that I mean, would be the only reason I would are, get it. Are, I mean, bro, but arguably the fifty-eight is already that. I mean, how much smaller can you get? I mean, I, don't I have know, a this buddy guy... who's got the smallest wrist of any man I've ever seen, and he loves his fifty-eight, and it looks fantastic on him. But at the end of the day, he should he be rocking at thirty-seven? I don't I mean, think it, so. It's small. It's thin. It might be a nod towards the the mini subs uh, that they once put out. I mean, we're gonna be laughing, but bro, if we keep on this trajectory, we're gonna get a Black Bay thirty four. Entirely in possible. Watch. I mean, people used to make ladies divers. I know the mini subs. So we'll see. But I I think this is I think this is probably a, as truly unisex of a dive watch as you'll ever find. Yeah. So maybe that's maybe that's the market. Maybe this is maybe they're trying to go after like the something for the smaller wristed or female demographic that is not is not so in your face feminine. Like they didn't make give you a straight up purple black bay, you know? I mean I get that, but black bay fifty eight, like that's the thing I don't understand. Is the 54 only makes sense from the pure lens that it's a truly vintage inspired reissue from the 1954 era of dive watches? It could have been a 37 millimeter, right? Yep. But in my opinion, it just it seems like a very odd choice because it's like, how much smaller do you get need to get when there's already ladies now rocking 39 Black Bay 58s? You know, it it's well the other trolls that they put they put the T fit clasp on this and the fifty eight will apparently never get it. Yeah. <laughs> just and again, it's just to make you buy more watches, right? Yeah, like that's just yeah, what we're gonna yeah. do. Uh, but I don't know. I, I I'm I'm excited about this release because I know that some people have been asking about it, but I'm also like, who's this watch for? Like that's the thing that does not that does not uh make sense to me. Like, how many watches do we need to make for small-wristed people? Are there really that many? Well, the other part is that I do kind of like is 
that this version is a little more sterile where the 58 feels like it's trying to be an old Rolex. Yeah. This is a tribute to something that's old, but it's, it's, it's just a modern plain dive watch. It's not, there's no red triangle. It doesn't feel like it's trying to be something else is the, is the one thing I think it has going for it. Okay. Um, you know, I I'm, do like the handset though. That yeah. is certainly an improvement over this, but I'm also think I'm also seeing that like now we're sanitizing the Tudor handset. You know, like what made the Tudor popular. Yeah, which for me is my favorite part of it. (laughs) Yeah, it was like, okay, we got snowflake hands. Like, it's so anti-Rolex. And now we're going away from the Tudor snowflake, you know, martini olive style secondhand. And now we're doing it for an old school Submariner style secondhand. Yeah. And, And this, to me, feels about as close to a vintage Tudor sub as we're gonna get. Probably. Right? I mean, you you don't even have the like the original graduations. Like if you look at the bezel, you have like the, the rectangular blocks on the on the on the five the five minute scales. Right. Right. And that was something that even is different than the regular Black Bay, which at least still has you know the first fifteen minute scale delineated. Yes. So I I don't know, man. It's I will say personally though, I do like the new forty one Burgundy, especially because I know that that watch, in terms of collection, has had a lot of drop in sales over the years, because the 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 black and the and the blue have really taken over for most people, because those are safe choices. So I think it made sense for them to launch it in the Burgundy to give that a little bit of a push especially now with the master chronometer movement. Now officially the second watch uh, from Tudor with master chronometer movement. And I do like that they incorporated the rubber strap on both the 54 and the 41. Yes, I do. Like I think that, that was well. cool. I think, was I, I think that was cool. Cause this is the, to my knowledge, this is the first black Bay with a rubber strap. That's not a Pelagos. It's right, not the, a, yeah, the Pelagos had the same technology, but it's it, obviously not the same watch. Yeah. But I like it. But I thought was what was really interesting about oh, Tudor overall is if, if you watch any of the press and the media and the marketing stuff from them, the big focus was more so on the the manufacturer and scaling the manufacturing capabilities and everything like that rather than the actual products, which I thought was very interesting. Well, they also they also have to let people know that they have some chops and that, you know, even yeah. though because they get so much flack for being little brother, they're a standalone, you know, company and everything. But uh yeah, you know, and they're they're more than just putting out black bear GMTs and white. Are they? What are, what are your thoughts overall on uh, the uh the Bay Just? Um I guess they're all right. I mean different strokes for different folks. They're okay. Um again going back to the white GMT that really does nothing for me. I I guess it's a neat wrinkle. I don't really know. It's it's I mean, look, man, it's like we'll we'll never get a Pan Am GMT Master again. Right? So, yeah. Like that's... this is like, again, it's just doing it's recycling all the novelty, crazy. You know, I'm sure at one point we'll probably get a white dial Tudor Ranger just because they'll never give us a Polar Explorer. Right? Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yep. Yep. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's just what's happening. I guess I don't know. But yeah, I was uh the the Bay Justs are cool. Um, you know, we got some you know, like a champagne color, a dark like a uh, navy color, an anthracite gray color. They're cool. You know, 31, 36, 39, 41. 
Um, lottery balls. Yeah, and you know you got the you got the jubilee bracelet. Does it does that look like a different jubilee to you than the one they usually it's, go with? It's slightly different, and and I think the only difference is the polishing. I think so too, but I think it looks better just on a, a glance. I mean, maybe I I haven't seen one in person, but yeah, I think I think it's because. And correct me if I'm wrong, but the traditional Jubilee, the direct center link all the way down, it's usually satin finished because I think it goes satin, high polished gold, satin, high polished gold, satin outer link. And I think the difference for the Tudor is the center link on the gold, the two tone versions are also polished. So it's polished gold, polished steel polished gold and then satin on both sides right so i think it's slightly different that way but it i mean come on it's basically a jubilee it's like a jubilee that just went to a the wrong jeweler that polish it messed up yeah <laughs> you know what i'm talking about when you're like went to the hack <laughs> yeah it's like i thought this is how you did it it's like man my watch feels different now i can't quite make out what it is yeah and then uh you know there was a lot of stuff that just i i in general that I, I wasn't huge on, like I, you know, I, I could take or leave a, a green Santos. I really like, yeah. I mean, nothing impressive, you know, stuff like that. I mean, the, but there was a lot of that across the board. I feel like I was just like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then I guess we land with Rolex and I'm sure this could be an entire episode in itself. Um, Very much a mixed bag. Yeah, I agree. And we touched on a little bit already. Yeah, I just I'm, I was surprised by a lot of a lot of choices. I mean, I guess you don't want to mess too much with what you have. I was, you know, we all there was a lot of conjecture about anniversary models and everything, and I, I don't think we got anything special really. I mean, they going back to the troll. I mean, is there a bigger troll than releasing a forty millimeter explorer after the whole thirty six thirty nine thing? Now you're gonna have thirty nine and forty bros. You're gonna have people fighting over the millimeter. 39 uh, 40, 40 is perfect 39 is the sweet spot and then you're gonna have just, the guy in the back it just 36. shows you it just shows you how much they don't they don't appreciate you this this is the same thing that happened when the date just 36 was out then they came out with the date just two at 41 and then for like a year they had a date just 40 yep and they continued they killed it killed the date just two and then came out with the date just 41. I'm just like, it's all the same freaking watch. The only thing that you have done is you, all you've done is, is just change the millimeter sizes. And sometimes you've, you've taken the lazy road and not changed the proportions just so that you can discontinue it to rechange the proportion to create a new version again. Like, that's what I feel it's like, because, you know, I saw the, the video from, from Adrian from Bark and Jack. And he's like, Oh, they finally nailed the proportions. The hands are all the way right. And I'm like, they could have done that with a 39. And everyone would have said this would have been the most perfect date just or the most perfect Explorer one ever. And yet here we are with a 40 millimeter and slightly longer proportions. Oh, all of a sudden, this is the golden sweet spot. I'm like, get over yourselves, guys. Like this brand literally gives no crap about you because they're just going to constantly troll you. And you're right. I mean, we didn't really get much for anniversaries. 
um we we, we had a, a daytona or i should say a a platona or platona with uh with the exhibition case back uh big whoop i've seen so many people dog the finishing on the movement really ouch yeah i, I didn't I mean, look I, at it it really it doesn't it doesn't appeal to me at I mean, all look, Just... it, from a from a cursory standpoint somebody who's never seen movements before it looks great but if you're used to hierology finishing or you're used to people that are doing exhibition case backs because you know the movements have to be you know done in such a way that makes sense um i i i felt like a lot of people in the comments were really not happy with the movements um because when you look at other Rolexes that have had exhibition case backs, specifically like the Bamfords and the the Artisan Genève pieces that have come out, that people get associated with those pieces, they're like, "This is what I'm paying ninety thousand dollars for. This is what I get." Yeah, it's not that beautiful of a movement. It never has been, but this is the first time you get to see it. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? So I don't know. It was just interesting. I obviously they killed off the old school Daytona references, which is kind of what we talked about before. Yeah. Where you know they're gonna have to differentiate the old school stuff that's gonna be basically CPO um with the new school stuff, which is you know, technically it looks different than the older stuff. Um so I think that, that kind of falls in line with what you and I said originally. Uh, with our predictions, but overall, I think you know for Rolex is a monumental year because of what they released. But for us that are actually living reality, it's not that great because all Rolex did was increase the size in the Explorer, come out again with the two tone GMT, create one super hype watch with an exhibition case back. And then make two hype watches that are only going to be on rich and famous people because they're troll watches. Like that's really fundamentally what it is. Yeah. I mean, I know that they did, you know, their, their first really more popularized RLX titanium release. Again, they picked the Yachtmaster, which is not, not the biggest fan favorite, but I mean, it's something, it's not nothing. It's just, uh, I, I'm not really. But again, uh, the biggest... welcome to watchmaking for the last <laughs> seventy years. Yeah, I'm just not really the biggest yachtmaster guy, as most people aren't. <laughs> I mean, look, I I will say this: arguably, that is a cool looking watch. Yeah. If I knew nothing about other watches, like if I if I just you know lived in complete blissful ignorance, and somebody showed that to me, I'm like, oh, that's cool. How much does that cost? Five hundred dollars. That would kind of be my thinking. But it's cool and crazy because, oh, now we have a production RLX titanium watch. And we kind of saw the prototype leaked from, from Bill Ainsley, the one that was sailing in Jake's World, you know, Rolex magazine. It was a prototype and they finally gave it to us. I'm like, look, guys, all you have here is a grade five titanium case that can be polished or can be satin finished the same way that Omega, the same way that Blanc Pond, the same like literally the last six years of watchmaking have been able to create and now it's a crazy novelty like it's not get over yourself well that was my big joke was the donald duck going back to sleep seeing seeing rolex put out exhibition case backs and using titanium yeah i'm like what year is this uh, i mean brands were doing this in the 60s you know and we know we get it it's the it's the first for them and they're uh a slow moving 
entity. But, we but get at it, some point, you it. just move too slow. You know what I mean? Like, again, like I could understand if this was like an entirely new version of titanium or an entirely new metal alloy, because that would be truly innovative. But it's not. It's grade five. It's the same titanium that everybody else has been using that does a polished finish or a satin finish. Why? Because grade five is less pure titanium. It's alloyed with other metals, which means you can finish it to a high shine. If it's grade two, it's much more difficult to machine finish because it's more pure titanium. Wow. Big whoop. My Citizen Echo Drive has grade five titanium. You know what I mean? Like, it's kind of just like, it's a joke. It's got to be a joke, right? Yeah. You you also, you got a, a bunch of different flavors of Sky Dweller. If you like the Sky Dweller, you got everything to like there. I mean, it, they're okay. I mean, the, I, the I, green one was cool. Yeah. I like the green one. Um, But you said you, you did like the 1908. I love the 1908. I love the 1908 because I know it's going to be an immediately polarizing watch. I think true watch people are going to love it. And I think all of the traditional Rolex bros are going to hate it because I think the guys that typically go for Rolex watches are buying those watches because everyone else recognizes what they are. But for true watch people, this watch is resonant because it is so anti Rolex. And I think where the Cellini may have been too complicated or too dressy or too fussy of a watch I think the 1908 really does sing. It's simple. It has a very odd handset that's not, it's it's vintage Rolex, but it's not modern sports Rolex. Um, I love the 12, 3, and 9. I love the small seconds. I mean, when was the last time you saw a Rolex with a small seconds? Yeah. 1908? <laughs> I, mean, I mean, really. like, I, And to me, in contrast to the Daytona, the movement is exceptional on this watch i think and it's a rare it's a rarity for them to do something like that you know what i mean it has a new exhibition style clasp i mean it, it just it looks good and and i would buy one and it's something it's something a little more different in a, in a novel sense yeah yeah but to that. me that is exciting you know this to me was the most exciting release that they launched this year because it is so anti them. It is so different than anything else they would have ever done. Movements different, straps different, cases different, dials different, bracelets different, you know, exhibition case back is different, you know, models are different. I just think it's great. I mean, what do you think? Yeah, I mean it's cool. It's it's not necessarily the watch I would want from them, but it's it's definitely novel. It's definitely got something different i get you know I, I i'd like to give people credit for doing some different things so you know you can't can't really knock that in that sense um yeah we did get stone dial day dates yeah which, which i'm excited about i like like i said Th I like those were good looking those were good looking, good looking watches sure. um i don't think we nailed this this the, the the nomenclature of the stones but you know we, we had it down pretty good um it's yeah. It's uh you know not so not so about the bling bling versions but the the kind of straight up stone dials I like them a lot you got a few different flavors some different colors some you know different stones with some some neat patterns on them and things so I'm all about that and I think if I were to I think if I were to get a a 
like a really modern Rolex would probably be something like that. That's that's just yeah. a little it's neat, it's subdued. I mean, I know don't get me wrong, I know there's there's gold involved and stuff, but like it it it's just a little bit like artistic from a a, a brand that's kind of, you know, fashion and they're not a fashion and jewelry brand, but they're the most recognized fashion and jewelry brand somehow. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, yeah. So in that regard, um, yeah. And then you know we touched on already the, this this puzzle piece watch, which is just it just looks it's just dumb. Um, yeah, what, I, I I don't know I I don't know of anybody that really truly likes it. And wh- while we're on it, um, I've seen a lot of I don't know what you call it, a lot of conjecture that this is somehow linked to the causes surrounding autism. But listen, I know the puzzle piece is a thing. It's usually a blue one. It's usually like one on the lapel and stuff. But like, I have not seen any publicity, public mention, anything that indicates that there is a link here. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, the and, watch and is if, called the emoji watch. Right. I, it, it, there's nothing autism related about it, but. And if, the, if listen, if there was a, a a, you know again a charitable cause behind it i would say okay whatever fine you know you're doing something sort of different for a specific reason but i haven't seen anything with regard to that and i think i i don't know why people have have really sort of started beating that drum but they have yeah but i mean it's a watch with a bunch of emojis on it and a bunch of silly sayings on the on the top yeah <laughs> it's garbage it's, it's absolutely garbage and Again, if there is some type of association, whatever, okay, cool, makes sense, whatever. But the reality is there is not, and we know that to be to be you know to be a matter of fact. I think it would have come out already, right? It would have come out already. I think people are making their own inferences. Yeah. I just think it's the most wild, outlandish, silly watch a Rolex could muster, and that's what they decided to do because they knew it was going to be one hundred percent polarizing. And even then, something something I thought was interesting somebody in in one of the comment sections of the 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 meme that i put up of this watch against the the richard meal 69 um Mm -hmm. they actually said they they've i think he's a part of that community he said that he finds the puzzle pieces offensive because it implies it implies that they need to be fixed or figured out or something like you know it's a whole it's just a mindset that that they don't want and i understand that yeah, absolutely. Right. So I guess I thought that was interesting. I, I learned something. I literally said to the guy, that was very insightful. Wow. So I found that interesting. But um, yeah, I don't, I don't think that I don't be fixed. Yeah, that's kind of messed up when you think it about is. it. It really is when you think about it. But, um, you know, I, I, I don't see the link here I, other than the, the whole jigsaw thing. But I don't I don't think it's any more of a link than this to, to the Saw movie. So <laughs> <laughs> you want to play a game? Oh, but yeah, no, I just, it's, it's certainly not for me, the gem sets. And I don't know, dude, Rolex going emoji. Like the one thing that, that watchmaking has is that it's not, you know, a cell phone, that it's not like the new technology era Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. of playful. Yeah. It's still analog, you know, right? it's still analog. And like, this is bridging that gap and I don't like it, but this is for hype culture. I know. And and I want to see, I really want to see what all the fanboys that have been loving Rolex for all these years, because Rolex never changes. They never they do anything do something as stupid. I, 
I exactly. I want to see the levels of copium that come out of these dudes when they try to justify this to the masses, because this literally flies in the face of everything you've been saying for the last 50, 60 years. Because they again, they don't care. Okay, this is a watch not made for Rolex collectors. This is a watch made for Ellen DeGeneres and Ryan Seacrest and all of the other dudes, Mark Wahlberg, LeBron James, who are going to be getting this watch from their AD probably in the next few weeks, and they're going to be posting it on social media. That's what's going to happen. Okay? It's like when 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 uh, LeBron first got the 41-millimeter OP in turquoise blue. Everyone lost their minds because he had the watch. He's going to have the bubble OP, and he's going to have the puzzle piece day-day. I guarantee you. I feel like those should have been the watches. You know, everybody's always been like, joking or hinting or whatever that they were going to do something with supreme they should have just done these two that would have made perfect sense at least right? at least you own it you yeah I mean? you're like, saying this is who this is for like it's just ridiculous like ridiculous it doesn't make any sense to me but you know what it's a brand that will continue to not make sense yeah, because they I, just do whatever they're gonna do. It's part of the it's part of their appeal for some, and I understand that. But it's I don't know where to place this, dude. Your your guess is as good as mine, because I don't know where to place it either. I think it's absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. Um. Is there any other watch you'd like to to toss in the ring here before we uh um end off? I did like JLC. Oh, that's right. Yeah, you said the tribute. Yeah, the tribute night uh the tribute version of the uh the reverso I think was really nice. I thought it a bit odd that they did like calf leather and like canvas straps, but I also kind of liked it. I liked the juxtaposition of that between that and like a traditional like classic dress watch. I think it's very cool. I think the color palettes that they used um for for the new Jaeger collection I think is is very good. So, again, movement-wise or anything like that, nothing is super technically relevant here. Um, it's all purely, in my opinion, just just aesthetics. Um, but beautiful. Yeah. You know, really, really cool watch. Has an amazing design. Hasn't really changed that much, and for good reason. Um, I think, you know, that is kind of the quintessential JLC. So, um, it's interesting to see uh, it come back. So... That's kind of it, I think. I think so too. Like I said, there was a ton else, but you know, it's just I mean, especially given given our listenership, we love y'all. Um, yes, we do. But I think they're very much uh, in tune with us. They kind of know where we where we stand on things and and sort of where we're, what you know, what arenas we like to maneuver into, and just the the high horology stuff. Uh, you know, it's worth a mention once in a while. It's it's you know, it's worth giving people a nod, but it's. It's just not it, – it almost holds no relevance for us. You know, it's almost yeah. irrelevant entirely because, I mean, how many of them are made? How many of them – how many of us can afford them? You know what I mean? Like, Yeah. <laughs> they, Especially now. Yeah, right? They might as well be like – you know how um, car companies release concept cars? Yeah. Like that – it might as well be that. Well, it's funny, man. That's, that's how a lot of these watches used to be released back in the day. Yeah. You know, before they were full-fledged collections, they were just concepts that would get launched at a, at a trade show or at Basel Fair or whatever it was. 
and you know they would never really get produced but or maybe the technology would be adopted in some small way right but we don't really see that anymore we see these watches going to market and i don't know how much that will continue because i think overall what you and i can probably collectively agree on is that we're coming for a different type of watch renaissance i can feel it and i think you can feel it too that there's a lot of stuff changing in the market from maybe consumer sentiment or from the economy or something there's there's something coming and i don't know what it is yet but whatever it is i feel like it's going to fundamentally change the industry it's almost i feel like going to be a reset well you know we're kind of due for that right like every Every so often, it's it might not be every decade, it might be every like seven or eight years, but we get like kind of a, a kind of a shift. I think we're due for one sort of. I I mean I think so. I think it's time. You know, I mean, would you think about how popular stuff like Panerai was not that long ago, and now everybody kind of like you know scoffs their nose at it, but like mm-hmm. it was red hot. You know. Yeah. So like it, it we you were it like ha- the coolest guy in the room if you had a panorama. Right. It does happen. Like it did like these things, they you know, just when you think you've got to figure it out, it it, it kind of zags on you. So we'll see. We will see. All right, folks. Thank you for joining us on our this is our three quarter century mark episode, my friend. Seventy five. Jesus. Seventy five thousand. Three quarters way to one hundo. Yeah. Thank you, guys. Really, truly. All of you listeners, thank you. Yeah, and going up lately, by the way. I don't know if you... I don't. You really don't have the, the access to the um, yeah. statistics, but I, I get them and I, I share them with you. But they've been, they've been you know, steadily on their eyes. Gotta love that, so... Again, we appreciate it. Really do. Yeah, and, you know, always fun to talk with you. I know we, we you and I both try to get back to people... So sometimes we have the same conversation with the same person, but <laughs> it's fine. I know. So I feel bad because like, do they know it's me? Or do they know it's bro? It's just, like we're literally switching off like mid-sentence. Yeah. I, I don't always, um, yeah, I don't always put a signature on everything, but I'll try to be like, I also, like considering that you just got a message from this account saying something and I'll be like, yeah. I also, <laughs> you know, echo the sentiment or something. And I'll be like, all right, hopefully they know that's two people talking, but, you know, context clues and such. But um, yeah, I guess that's it for this week. We'll catch you next week on Rishi's Radio. Later. Deuces.